Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Fresh Encounter, the radio ministry of Lifelong Anointing Church. Our mission as a church is to equip the body of Christ to increase in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and with men. We're glad that you joined us for this edition of the broadcast. It is our prayer that this broadcast will be a blessing to you. Here now is Pastor Otuno with today's message. Who do Christians really believe? When we say we call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, who are we calling upon? When we say we believe in the Almighty God, who are we talking about? In our last installment, we talk about the Father. Why you call yourself a Christian? Why not a Muslim? Why not a Hindu? Why not a Buddhist? Why not a, why not so many, so many other religions? Are you saying that the same God that these other religions are calling the same God that we call as a Christian? Who do Christians believe? That is what we're dealing with today. And in our text this morning, we read from the book of Matthew chapter 16. The Bible gave us a particular unusual question that Jesus Christ asked his disciples. And that unusual question, before you get to that question, you find it prior to that, prior to chapter 16, Jesus Christ has already, already done some wonderful things. The Bible says he has already fed the multitude. He has already healed the multitude. The Bible says that the Pharisees came to be able to test him. He, he, he was able to silence their question when they were requesting for a sign from heaven. Jesus Christ also warned the people who were following him. He was telling them, he said, beware of the, beware of the, of the influence of the leaven of the Pharisees. These were all the things that Jesus Christ talked to. But by the time you get to verse number 13 of Matthew chapter 16, Jesus now asked that unusual question. Let's pick up the story from Matthew chapter 16, reading from verse number 13. He said, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, who do men say that I, the son of man am. So they said some say you are just, some say John the Baptist. Some say Elijah. Others say Jeremiah and all one of the prophets. And he said unto them, but who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed are you by Simon by Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And in verse number 18, he said, I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against you. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever you bound on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatsoever you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Very fascinating verse of the scripture. Very, very fascinating. And I want you to understand that ever since the Lord Jesus Christ walked the face of this earth, ever since the Lord Jesus Christ became man and dwelt among these people, you will find out that the identity of Jesus Christ has been a central focus of his life and of his mission. His identity, who he was. It defined everything that he did. Okay? And before he was born, this was a guy, even before he was born, Jesus has been a very interesting figure, even to people who are around him. Here was a person whose birth was announced. Here was a person whose birth was celebrated by kings. Here was a person whose birth was even threatening, was threatening to a, to a sitting monarch. Where everywhere Jesus Christ went, his commanding presence was very captivating to his audience. And when he entered Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, Bible tells us in the book of Matthew chapter 21, reading from verse number 10, that all the city was moved saying who is this guy that is the power and the effect that Jesus has on people when he walked into Jerusalem people were wondering the whole place was in commotion and they were wondering who is this guy that came in 
That's to tell you of the power of Jesus. When he taught in the temples, and he, the Bible makes us to understand that he taught with authority and with power. And in Luke chapter 5, the Bible makes us to understand that the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason and say, Who is this who speaks blasphemy? In other words, he wasn't just talking, just like anybody. When he come into a room, he will not just come in just like that. When he speaks, he will not just speak like that. Bible makes us to understand that when he even began to demonstrate, he said, when he began to demonstrate his divine authority, if you look at Matthew and Luke chapter 7, reading from verse 49, the people that sat with him began to say within themselves, who is this guy that even forgives sin? He walks into a room and everybody's captivated. He starts teaching, people begin to wonder. He starts making pronouncements and they begin to wonder that this guy is a different kind of person. He is the man. Okay? Many heard about the Lord Jesus Christ. Many have seen his work. Many people have, been, have even encountered the miracles that Jesus Christ has done. But very, very few people really know who this particular character is. Very few people know who Jesus Christ is. And the question that we want to deal with this morning is, who is this Jesus that continues to captivate the whole of humanity even over 2,000 years after his ascension? Who is this person that the Christians call their Lord? Who is this particular Christian? Who is this particular Jesus that we call about, that we believe, that we adore? The interesting thing is that Jesus Christ himself asked that question. In the verse of the scripture that we read this morning, Jesus Christ said, asked that question. In Matthew chapter 16 that we read a few minutes ago, in verse number 13, the Bible tells us, when Jesus came to the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, whom do men say I, the son of man, am? In other words, Jesus was not the only one who was asking. You know, the, you are not the only one who is asking. The whole world is not the only one asking. Jesus Christ himself was even asking the question of the people who followed him. In other words, he was saying, who am I? What are the people saying about me? When Jesus posed the question to the people that were following him, I want you to understand that the people that he was posing the question to, they were not strangers to him. They were people who have been following him. They were people who have been identified with him. They have been going up and down. There were people who have been engaged in ministry with him. If you read that particular Matthew chapter 15, the Bible says that he, was, he has been the one. They have been with him. They were the ones who served food to the 4,000 people that he fed. So there were people who have many who have been engaged in ministry with him. There were people who have ministered alongside with him. So these are people who were there were people who knew the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus was not talking to strangers at that point in time. He wasn't talking to people that were just walking up the street, coming to this very nice facility, and they were trying to find out who Jesus was. No, Jesus wasn't talking about. He was talking to people who knew him well. And you will think that the people who knew Jesus well, who were involved in ministry with him, who have been walking side by side with him, will know who Jesus was. But Jesus asked the question, Whom do men say that I am? In response, the, spirit, the disciples started giving all sorts of, you know, started repeating what other people were saying. In verse number 14, they said, some say that you are John. Some say that you are John the Baptist. Others, some, some Elias. Others, Jeremiah. Or one of the prophets. In other words, they were saying, this is what the people are saying about you. This is what the people are calling you. This is what the people consider you to be. And the interesting thing is that Jesus Christ understood. Understood. Jesus Christ knew that it is easy for us to be able to echo the sentiments of other people. You can sit in the church and when they say glory, hallelujah, you will say glory, hallelujah. Even if you don't know what they are talking about. There are many of us who say Jesus is Lord, but we have no clue what we are talking about. So Jesus understood that many people in the church, many people in the crowd can echo the sentiment of order. Jesus knew that it's very easy for us to follow the crowd. 
Very, very easy. He understood that we can hide behind the majority opinion while we don't even understand what is going on. And that's why people talk about politics and they have no idea what they are talking about. People talk about Christianity and they have no idea what they are talking about. People talk about salvation and they have no clue what they are talking about. Jesus understood that you can hide behind the majority and say things that you and appear as if you are intelligent when you have no idea what is going on. But the problem for the disciples is that they were dealing with Jesus. They were dealing with Jesus and Jesus was not interested in what other people thought. Jesus is not interested in whether your family believes. Jesus is not interested whether your father is a Christian, whether your father is a preacher, or your mother is a prayer warrior. Jesus is not interested in that. What Jesus was interested in is in their own opinion. What do you think? Jesus is not interested in public opinion. He was more interested in what his disciples had to say. Not what other person said, not the way other people saw me. What do you, how do you see me? He's interested in what they had to say. Okay? And just like Jesus was interested in what they had to say at that time, he's interested in what you have to say this morning. How do you see him? Who is he to you? Okay? And so in verse number 15, Jesus Christ now posed the question in a different way. Initially, it was a general question. Now he posed it and made it very, very direct to the individual. Jesus asked the question. He was saying unto them, and he said unto them, but who do you say I am? Don't tell me what the other person is saying. Don't tell me what your father has said. Don't tell me what the preacher has said. Don't tell me what the people are saying on TBN. I want to know what you think. I want to know what is going on in your mind. I want to know exactly what you are saying. In other words, who am I to you? That was what Jesus was saying. Who am I to you? Am I just one of the many prophets? Am I just one of the good teachers? One of many good teachers? Am I just another preacher? Who am I to you? That is the question. And the Bible records one of the most life-changing declarations ever recorded for us in Scripture. In verse number 16 of Matthew chapter 16, Simon Peter took it a step forward and answered the question on behalf of all the disciples. Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. The question is, why did Jesus Christ ask his disciples a direct question? Why did he ask them? They have been following him. They have ministered with him. They walk alongside him. He only, I mean, he has, he, has, he, has, he has exchanged a lot of things in their presence. Why did Jesus Christ ask them that very simple question? Let me suggest to you, number one, that Jesus Christ asked them that question because Jesus understood that you want, Jesus wanted to know who they believed. Do you believe in the prophecy about the Old Testament? Do you believe in the prophecy of the Messiah? Do you believe that that Messiah has come in the human flesh? Do you believe that that Messiah is the person that you have been associated with? Who do you believe? That's what he wants to find out from them. That's why he asked them the question. Number two, he wanted to know their view of him. You might be following me. Do you think I'm just a nice teacher? Do you believe I'm just another rabbi? Do you believe I'm just one of those people that's anointed? Who do you think I am? And what is your view of me? How do you see me? Who am I to you? That was what Jesus wanted to find out. Number three, he wanted to find out their motive. Why are you following me? Is it because of the miracles? Is it because of the signs and wonders? Is it because of my teaching? Or is it because I am the son of God, the way, the truth, and the life? Why are you following me? That's why he asked the question. Jesus asked the direct question because he wanted to know their conviction. He wanted to know their persuasion. He wanted to know their determination in following him. Jesus wanted to know, why are you doing what you're doing? That's why he asked the question. Who are you? And most importantly, Jesus asked the question because he wanted to know if they understood what it means 
to walk with the Son of God. He wanted to know, do you really understand what it means to be associated with the Almighty God? Do you really understand what it means to be able to walk alongside the Almighty God? That was why I was asking the question, who do you think I am? If for this very moment, the president of this nation shows up right now, and you begin to find out, if I, so for some reason, maybe he wore, he wore a disguise, and you are not able to recognize him. But when you start walking with him, you start talking to him, all of a sudden, your mind or your eyes open, and you realize that this is the president, your attitude will change. Your disposition will change. If he asks you to request anything, you are not going to ask for chop, you are not going to ask for chop change. You are going to ask for a real thing because you know he has the power to be able to give you what you want. For anybody looking for a job, you are not going to ask for a useless job. You ask for a serious job that will pay you some good money because you know that the person standing right next to you, you know who he is. You know the power he has. You know the influence he has. You know the reach of his power within the land. And that was what Jesus was asking them. Do you know who I am? So that you, you have an understanding of what it means to walk with the Son of God. That was why I was asking the question. That was why he asked them directly. Who do you say I am? Who do you say? And after Peter responded on behalf of the other disciples in verse number 17, Jesus responded to, Jesus, Jesus responded to Peter, Peter's inspired declaration, and he said unto him, Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed are you, Simon bar Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gate of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bound on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Very fascinating response to a very simple answer. You know, Jesus could have simply said, Peter, that is a very, very good answer. And that would be, that would be the end of it. Okay? You ask a question. And if Peter gave a right answer, you would ask everybody clap for Peter. Pa, 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 pa. And that would be, that would be the end of the story. For those of us who went to primary school in Nigeria, you will get that one. If you didn't go, you wouldn't understand how to clap. That's the way we clap for somebody who gets it. But that's the story for another day. Jesus could have given a very simple nod. Would have given a simple acknowledgement. And told them, Peter, very good job. You have answered the question. But Jesus did not say that. Jesus took it a step further. But rather you will notice that Jesus is responding. When Jesus was responding or responding to Peter's answer, Jesus now blessed Peter. He said, blessed are you Simon Bar-Jonah. Not only that, Jesus identified the source of that revelation. He said that flesh and blood has not told you. In other words, you did not figure this one out. In other words, you did not calculate it. In other words, it's not something you read in a book. It's not something that somebody tells you. It's not something that you, 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 you imbibe through studies. It is something that is revealed unto you. He said flesh and blood has not revealed unto you, but my Father who is in heaven. Not only the fact that he blessed Peter, the Bible said that he identified the source of the revelation, and then the most importantly, he highlighted the significance of that particular revelation. He told him that I say unto you, you are Peter, on this rock I will build my church. That is on the importance of the revelation of what you have just given. That is where your salvation lies. That is where your relationship with me lies. Jesus Christ's response to Peter tells us that something is, that the, the answer, Peter's answer was loaded. The question is, why did Jesus commend Peter for his response? Why? Jesus knew who he was. He doesn't need Peter to, uh, to affirm him. He didn't need Peter to tell him that he was the son of God. But why did the Lord Jesus commend Peter? Why did he highlight the significance of, the, of, of Peter's response? Why was it uh, why was Jesus so important? You know, why was Peter's uh, response so important? Let's go back to verse number 17. 
Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. In other words, Peter had received a revelation of who Jesus Christ was. Peter has spoken that particular revelation. Jesus commended him for the revelation that he has received from the Father. But if you look at verse number 18, Jesus Christ now took it to a, a, a step further. Jesus now added his own comment. He said, upon this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I want you to listen to me very carefully here. Jesus was not referring to Peter as the rock. Peter, Jesus was not saying that he was going to build his church upon Peter. No. Jesus was saying, you know, Jesus was saying upon this rock, which means upon this foundational truth spoken by the mouth of Peter, that I am Christ, the son of the living God. Upon this revealed truth, I will build my church, I will build my people. In other words, the church is built, believers are built upon the fundamental truth that Jesus is the son of God. If you take that away, you don't have Christianity. It's as simple as that. Jesus is saying, the whole idea of being a Christian rests upon this particular truth. Knowing that Jesus is the Son of God. That is what Christianity is all about. If you do not know that, if you have not caught that revelation, you have not started the journey. That's what Jesus is saying. That the church is going to be built upon that revelation. The church is going to be expanded by that revelation. The whole idea of being a Christian rests on knowing that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And if you miss that, you have missed the whole essence of Christianity, of what Christianity is all about. So that is why Peter's response was very, very important. That's why Jesus commended that particular response. So what is so, what is so important about Peter's response is because Peter's response tells us that that particular revelation is the foundation of your faith. If you don't have that revelation, you have not started Christianity. If you don't know that Jesus is the Lord, you have not started. Bible makes us to understand that everybody believes there is a God. Even the devil believes. And the Bible said that even added a small comment to it. He said the devils believe and they, and, they, and they tremble. In other words, they know the power of God. So you knowing that it's a God is nothing special. The devil knows also. Even if you look at some of, their, some of the other holy texts of other religions, they identify Jesus as a prophet. So you are not the only one who knows about Jesus Christ. But the point is that what separates you and every other person is the fact that you know that Jesus is the son of the living God, the Christ of God. And Peter's revelation shows, number one, that this revelation is the foundation of our faith. Number two, that our faith is built upon that particular revelation. Number three, that the survival of our faith depends upon that particular revelation. Because when the church forgets that Jesus is the Son of God, we are no longer a church. When a believer forgets that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, he's no longer a believer. Peter's, Peter's response is important because it's, it's important because the continuity of our faith rests upon it. One generation to the other must be able to communicate to one another and tell them that Jesus is Lord, regardless of what you hear in the news. Jesus is Lord, regardless of all the critics. Jesus is Lord, regardless of what people are saying. You must, the continuity of our faith depends or rests upon this revelation. And most importantly, our progress as a believer rests on this particular revelation. Because when you know that Jesus is the Lord, then situation will not overwhelm you. When you know that Jesus is Lord, 
Circumstances will not cause you to go back. When you know that Jesus is Lord, whatever the enemy throws at you, you have the ability to receive it. You have the ability to be able to withstand. The most importantly, our progress as a believer, as a progress, the progress of our faith depends on this revelation. So if you look at verse number 21 of Matthew chapter 12, of Matthew chapter 16, the Bible tells us that it said, from this time. Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from his elders and the chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised on the third day. Please understand this verse of the scripture. Prior to this verse of the scripture, you will find that Jesus did not show them the plan of salvation. He did not tell them what he was going to do. He was just doing his miracles and doing all those things. Eventually, but his disciples, but as, as soon as the, as soon as the disciples got the revelation, as soon as they knew that this is the Son of God, as soon as they got it, what happened is that Jesus began to reveal deeper things unto them. That tells us, if the disciples did not get the revelation, they will never understand what was going on. The Lord Almighty will not share deeper things unto you. And until you know Jesus as the Son of God, He will not reveal His mission unto you. He will not reveal His purpose unto you. He will not reveal deeper things unto you. Until the disciples knew Jesus, who Jesus was. He did not reveal his mission, his purpose, and his strategies unto them. The same thing applies to us today. Until you know who Jesus is, he will not reveal the deeper things of the kingdom unto you. He will not. Until you know who Jesus really is, he will not give you the secrets of the kingdom. And that is why many people remain as babes in the Lord. That's why many people have no clue when they come to church. Because that missing element... He will not give you the keys of the kingdom until you know that he is the son of the living God. So you see, those who do not really know him, those who have not encountered the almighty God, those who have not, who who do not understand who Jesus is, these are the people who are easily offended by him. And that is why you see in the church, those who have not yet connected to him are easily offended. Those who are not yet connected to him, they easily dismiss him. They dismiss his miracle. They dismiss his word. They dismiss his warning. Those who have not really understood who Jesus is, they try to ignore this teaching. They try to ignore the things that he wants to do to us. Not only that, they try to ridicule him. The Bible says that when Jesus was hanging upon the tree, even the scribes and Pharisees, as they were passing by, they were saying, He saved others, let us see if he can save himself. When you don't understand the Son of God, you cannot understand his purpose. And if you don't understand his purpose, it is very easy for you to try to ridicule him. But those who know him, they bow their knee at his feet. Those who know him, they worship and adore him. Those who know him, they know that he is the Lord and they give him reverence and adoration. Now that you know who Jesus Christ and why it is important for the disciples of the days of Jesus to know who Jesus was, the question is why is it important for you to know who this Jesus is? Why is it important for you? Why is it important for you to know who Jesus is? Why is it important for you to know who you believe? Number one reason why it is important is because of his claims. Jesus made some very, very outstanding claims. He made some even some very ridiculous claims. The Bible said, he said, said, kill this body and I will raise it up in three days. He said, destroy this temple and I will raise it in three days. And those people were so confused. He said, look at this guy. How can you make this kind of a claim? It was because of his claim. That's why you should know who he is. Number two, because of his action. 
The things that Jesus did, the miracles that he did, that's why you should know who he is. Number four, because of his teaching, the things that he taught his people to do, that is why you should know who he is. Number four, because of the price that he paid for you, that is why you should know who he is. Number five, because of the access to the Father that he gave unto you, that is why you should know who he is. Because of the promises he made, that is why you should know him. Because of the actions of the people who have encountered him in the past, that is why you should know who he is. And if you consider all these things that I just listed unto you, if you consider all the claims of Jesus, if you consider all the promises of Jesus, if you consider all that Jesus said about himself, if you consider all the things that have happened, there are only two possible outcomes, two possible reactions to the Almighty God. Two only possible conclusions that you will come concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. Number one is that he must be a crazy guy. For you to believe that you can destroy a temple and raise it in three days. The temple that took him hundreds of years to build. For you to believe that you can you can forgive sin. For you to believe that you can go and then come back again. For you to make all those promises. For you to make the teachings and tell people, turn the other ears. It's either you are crazy or you are who you say you are. That is why you should know who he is. Because you don't want to follow somebody who is crazy. You don't want to follow somebody whose claims have not been verified. Jesus Christ is either a lunatic or he is Lord. That is why you should know who he is. And your conclusion of who Jesus is has eternal consequences. In other words, you cannot ignore Jesus and think it has no effect. Okay? You cannot behave anyhow when Jesus is there and think that it doesn't have any impact. It does have impact. It's just like a student who decided not to study and then goes into the examination hall and expect everything will be well. It's either you are on the wrong medicine or something is wrong with you. Or probably you miss your, you miss your medication along the way. Because every action has a consequence. Your conclusion about who Jesus is has eternal consequences. And that is why as Christians we must understand what the Bible teaches about the person of our Lord Jesus Christ. We must know who he is. We must know what he has done for us. And we must know what we should do in response to what he has done for us. So the question this morning is, who is this Jesus to you? Who is this Jesus that Christians believe? Who is this Jesus that we are all very, that we are all very happy to call his name and to adore? As a believer, number one, we believe that Jesus Christ, we believe that Jesus Christ is fully God and fully man. The Bible tells us in the book of Philippians chapter 2, reading from verse number 5. It says, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of who being in the form of God, taught it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and put upon himself, as a, and, and, and took upon himself the form of a servant, and made himself in likeness of a man. So the Jesus that we believe is both God and man. Number two, the Jesus that we believe is born of a virgin. The Jesus that we believe displayed God's authority. The Jesus that we believe demonstrated the attributes of God. The Jesus that we believe died for our sins. The Jesus that we believe reconciled us back to God. The Jesus that we believe gave us assurance of salvation. The Jesus that we believe gave us access to Almighty God. The Jesus that we believe broke the power of sin and death. And that is why he said, if anybody is in Christ Jesus, is a new creation. All things have passed away, and all things have become new. The Jesus that we believe gave us the Holy Spirit, so that we are no longer mere people who are afraid, but we can be able to stand boldly and declare the word of God. Most importantly, the Jesus that we believe gave us the hope of eternal life. So that when we close our eyes in death, it's not the end of the story. The Bible says that we shall all... We shall, 
Yeah, we shall all be alive and remain as we are caught up together with him, with them in the cloud, to meet with the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. There is a hope of eternity. That is the Jesus that we believe. He is the one that gave us the hope for eternity. For all that he is to us, for all that he has done for us, and for that simple thing, what is the simple demand that the Lord God Almighty just asks of you for all that he has done? Number one, he just asks you to repent and forsake. That's all he's asking for you. For all that he has done for us as a humanity, he's saying that all I need from you is for you to repent and forsake. Number two, he's only asking you for you to have faith and to obey him. Number three, he's asking you to live a life of holiness and purity. And then finally, he's asking you to live a life of justice and mercy. Treat people fairly and walk with him. But it all starts with number one, with the repentance and forsaking of our sins. That is all Jesus Christ demands from us. Now that you know who this Jesus is and what he has done for us, the question is, what are you going to do about this Jesus that you now know? What are you going to do about him? Interestingly, the same question was asked in the book of Matthew chapter 27. Matthew 27, reading from verse number 22. Pilate asked the same question. The Bible says, Pilate said unto them, What shall I do with this Jesus who is called Christ? In those days, those people made a very terrible mistake. They said, crucify him. But the question this very morning is this. The same question as I pose it to you. What are you going to do about the Jesus that we as Christians believe? What are you going to do? It's not what your parents will do. It's not what my sister on my right or my brother on my left will do. The question is, what are you as an individual going to do? Because Jesus is saying, who am I to you? What are you going to do with this Jesus? You can either accept him or reject him. But one thing I can assure you is that you cannot ignore Jesus Christ. It's never going to happen. You cannot ignore him. At one point in time, you are going to come in face to face with him. It's either you do it now or you do it when you close your eyes in death. Thank you very much for listening to our program today. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. for our Sunday worship service at 2711 Murfreesboro Road in Antioch, Tennessee. We also host Bible study and prayer meetings every Friday at 7 p.m. Visit us online at www.lifelonganointing.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Join us next time for another edition of Fresh Encounter. On behalf of Lifelong Anointing Church, we thank you for listening.